Hello, and welcome to the Ecom Ops Podcast. We believe that there is more than enough content focused on e-commerce marketing and not enough content celebrating the real heroes of e-commerce, those running the operation. Each week, we find and interview an e-commerce operations expert to share the secrets behind how some of this industry's most exciting businesses are run. And now, your host, Norbert Strapler, the CEO of Sync Spider. Yeah, hello and welcome to the Ecomops podcast. My name is Norbert and today I'm talking to John McDonald from The Good. Hello, John. Nice to have you here. Hi, how are you? Nice to be here. Yeah, great. Thank you. How are you? All good? I oh, heard, doing I heard it's wonderful. early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it's 7.30, but that's not too bad. Uh, I'm usually up around 5, so this is, uh, I've had my first coffee, as we were saying. Yeah, that's good. So, John, um, what can I tell the audience about you? So, you have a consulting company in the U.S., which is really, really a cool company because you're taking care about conversion rate optimization, uh, getting more revenue to e-commerce store owners, and this is really awesome uh, to 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 hear uh, today about strategies and um, and things that that you're doing. But tell tell us a bit more about you. Yeah, so the company is called The Good. I'm the founder and CEO. Uh, we help brands to convert more of their e-commerce visitors into customers through conversion optimization. So we help brands to track every click and movement that's happening on their site. And we do that in an aggregate fashion, so there's no privacy concerns. But uh, what we do is we use that data to help them improve the consumer experience. So um, our mission at The Good is to remove all of the bad online experiences until only the good ones remain. And that's uh, the genesis of our name as well. So we've been doing this for over 11 years now, one of the early players in conversion optimization. And uh, yeah, we work with brands like Nike, Xerox, Adobe, The Economist, uh, etc. In that uh, Xerox, you you increase the uh, return visitor conversions by uh, 86.7%. Yes. Yeah. This is the power That's of conversion insane. optimization. It yeah. is the single highest return on investment activity that you can do in marketing. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, tell me a bit, um, what, what shopping cart solutions do your customers typically use? What, what are the most common systems? Yeah, well, we see a lot in Shopify, especially yeah. right now. Uh, I'd say that's probably the majority of e-com sites, especially those that have started up over the last couple of years. Um, second to that is usually big commerce. Um, and then, you know, those two software as a service providers are really getting uh, growth over the last handful of years. And, and most of the folks we're seeing are moving off of platforms like Magento, uh, WooCommerce is definitely for smaller shops typically, um, but it, it's pretty flexible. Um, so I would say the majority shop of e-commerce is what we see. Okay, cool. Um, and, and your typical client, um, which size do they have? Generally, you know, we're looking at clients that are over 5 million in annual revenue, 5 million yeah. US. Um, but more important to us because we'll work with companies that are in that, you know, maybe not right, just started up, but they could be in that second stage where they've gotten some investment and they're really growing quickly. What's more important to us than revenue is often 
visitors? How much traffic are you getting? And the reason that that's important for us is we do a lot of what's called AEB or multivariate testing, right? It's one of the data sources that we use. And we can't do AB testing effectively or get a good return on that investment unless there's enough traffic coming to the site. So we need enough visitors to actually test with and reach what's called statistical significance, which is where the data clearly shows us which variation is winning. Um, and so you have to have enough traffic to make that happen. Yeah, I understand. Um, now you have 11 years in, in, in uh, A-B testing or conversion with optimization. How did you get into e-commerce? How did you join that world? Well, we were an e-commerce development shop uh, before we transitioned into fully focusing on optimization. So I have a computer science degree And I used to be heavy into Flash. I don't know if you remember Flash technology. I think this year it officially dies. Adobe officially kills it. Um, but, you know, when I was doing a lot in Flash, we were focusing a lot on e-commerce. And there was a ton of great instances that were in Flash. And Flash could go one of, one of two ways. It could either be overly designed and just a horrible consumer experience, but cool, right? Or it could be a really great, it could be used as a tool to make an amazing consumer experience. And there was really no in between. It was really one, one end to the other because um, people would have a lot of fun with it, which, you know, all things great can get abused or be used for good. And, and it would have both. Um, and, you know, we... When I started The Good, uh, we started doing e-commerce more than anything else. And uh, we got in early with working with a couple of brands like Nike um, and pretty fortunate. And through those, really just realized early on, probably a year or two into the agency at the time, that development was becoming a commodity. Anybody could build. Shopify was just starting and, and those type of platforms where you really didn't have to have a whole lot of technical skills to truly be able to run an effective e-commerce site. And our clients didn't really care about the code that was written in their site. As long as it worked, it functioned. And people actually bought something on the site. That was all they cared about. And one of the things we always built into every single engagement was three months of optimization after we la uh, launched the site. Now, this was more for a couple of reasons, not necessarily at the time around conversion optimization, because that term didn't really exist yet. It wasn't commonplace. I did this for two reasons. The first was that I wanted to set our team up for success. And what I mean by that is I knew that when you launch a new website, especially something as complicated as an e-commerce website, it was not going to be perfect when it launched, right? So I wanted some time to built in to where we could continue to refine the site, fix any challenges. And second, I wanted the client to know that we weren't going to just launch the site and leave, right? Most development shops, especially back then, do a launch and leave philosophy where they you know, launch a site, they meet the requirements of the contract, and then they're done with the project. But what we wanted to do was be able to support the, the customer after we launched the site. And so we built in three months of optimization. Now, After I realized that development was a commodity, I went around the country and I interviewed all of our customers and I asked them why they chose to work with the good. And what I kept hearing 
was that we had this three months of optimization built in. That was what they valued. And so I realized pretty quickly that that was what made us different and special, not necessarily the fact that we could build a good e-commerce website. Um, so I decided to pivot the company to only focus on that optimization and dive a lot deeper into the data. And um, now that's called conversion rate optimization. That term came up a couple of years later. Um, and we've done that for nine years now straight of nothing but optimization. And you're using tools for that, right? So um, in Shopify, it's it's not uh, that, that easy that you do that yourself. With the code, you, you need to implement a, a tool and it's more or less JavaScript changing elements on the fly, right? Yes. So there's some great tools out there for this that have come up over the years. It, it all started with Optimizely, yeah. which is one of the, now they've moved into just focusing on enterprise. So they're very, you know, costly. It's a big event to utilize their tool set, but they were one of the first ones and it's a great tool. It does it really well, but it's not for everybody. Uh, I think, you know, it starts at like five to 10,000 US per month. Yeah. So it's not for everybody. Uh, what's a lot more accessible and has done an amazing job over the past few years has been Google, Google Optimize. Yeah. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, you put a small snippet of JavaScript on your site, and what that allows you to do is optimize will load in all the code from that page and then it allows you to alter that code before it's rendered to the screen in the browser. So the browser downloads all the code from the page and Google Optimize code. Really quickly, you can transform that code before it gets shown to the visitor. What that allows you to do is segment that visitor and decide what tests they're going to see and what tests they're not going to see. It also means you don't, as a site owner, you don't have to set up multiple sites. You can do every all this optimization on one website, which is a common misconception. A lot of e-commerce store owners that are just starting out, they often think that you have to have multiple sites to do A-B testing. So you're sending people to site A and site B. It's, it's uh, actually a lot more granular than that you can on one site run multiple tests and segment who sees what tests and in what order. And uh, you can get really, really complicated and, and, uh, and very uh, finite with that. Well, there are a lot of tools, as I said. So I, I know uh, Optimize, as I said, Google Optimize, uh, Fresh Marketer, uh, Visual Website Optimizer is, is also a very common tool that I know yep. and I'm aware of. And there is uh, OmniConvert um, uh, mm -hmm. from, from uh, Europe, as far yes. as I remember. So there are a lot of tools. Um, you can find a lot of A-B testing, but um, you need to know what to test. So um, what, what, is, what is the typical test case um, that is set up first? Yeah, so this really needs to be driven by the data from that specific site's visitors. And... A lot of folks who get into optimization at the beginning, uh, as they're, you know, we, we hire strategists and they come in and they immediately think there's some best practices that you need to test. And one of the things we always want to train our team around is that you need to start with the data first. So where we are experts is in knowing what data to look at, first of all. And then second of all, knowing how to look at that data with no prejudice. So what we really want to do first is track every click and movement. And so heat maps, 
maps, scroll maps, tells us how people are engaging with the content on a site. We also, of course, want to deep dive into things like analytics, but we also want to do types of data that are more qualitative. So be thinking of, of things like user testing, where we send people to the site who match uh, ideal customer profile for an e-commerce site. And what we do with them is uh, ask them to complete some tasks on the site while they uh, speak out loud about what they're thinking. So we get not only exactly what people are doing through analytics, but we also get to understand what they're thinking and why they're taking those actions. We take all that data together and then we form a testing plan and roadmap. So all of that data tells us, you know, you know, what, where our hypotheses are around what the challenges exist and how we're going to think, we, how we think we can change those. Um, and we take those hypotheses and we form a testing plan and roadmap for how we're going to attack each of those areas. So that kind of gives us an understanding of what we think we should be testing and, uh, and then the test variations are usually based on the complaints that we hear from consumers while we're doing that research. So, you know, we think maybe there's an issue where consumers are saying they cannot find the particular product they're looking for. Well, that tells us there's a navigation or wayfinding issue on the site. And then uh, we'll start coming up with hypotheses. Okay, so we give them a hint. Well, you need to go you know, click on this button. So once we solve the fact that they're getting past that initial roadblock, then you go to the next step and you can say, okay, now what would you do here? Uh, then we start hearing their thinking around, well, I would like to click on this, but I can't find that or et cetera. So then we know, okay, we need to surface that information up on the page a little better. So you start just really taking a step back uh, I say this all the time, but it's, it's really hard to read the label from inside the jar. So as a brand, you are so close to the e-commerce website. You probably had a hand in designing it. You, you know all of your products extremely well. You know where, how the products are organized on your site. Um, so you know how to use your site. You know your products inside and out. A new customer who just clicked on an ad and came to your site, they have no understanding of any of that. They're starting from zero. So really what you need to do is kind of guide them along in that process. And that's really hard to do as an e-commerce site owner because you know your site so well. So you really want that fresh perspective. And that's what we can bring. And also what the consumers that we run testing with bring to the table. Yeah. I really understand. Um, what do you think, what, what separates uh, the winners apart from the rest? Well, I think that, first of all, having empathy for the consumer is a big one. So having empathy for the user that is coming to your website can make a big difference. I also think those who are actually using data. So usually when brands come to us, they're in one of two camps. They are using data and they're tracking every click and movement, and they just don't know what to do next, right? They, they're missing that next step. And so that's why they come to us. Or they're a brand who has not been tracking any data. They you know, really aren't paying attention to their consumers. 
And they're maybe copying competitors. They look at their largest competitor's website or they just see like, hey, I really like Nike's website. It's beautiful. I want to match that or Apple's website or whatever, right? And they say, you know, I want my site more like that. You should look like Apple and work like Amazon. (laughs) Exactly. And it's like, okay, well... There's a reason Amazon is one of the world's ugliest websites and it converts as well as it does. But, you know, it's same thing with like uh, in the in the United States, we have a great site called Craigslist, which is basically just black text on a white screen. And yeah. it's super functional and it gets a ton of visitors and it works extremely well, um, serves its purpose. But, I, you know, I think that copying competitors is a it leads you down a lot of false roads. And the problem with that is you don't know if the thing you're going to copy from that competitor is working for them. You really don't. And that competitor is not going to tell whether or not that tactic works for them. At least they're not most likely not going to be honest about it. And then on top of that, you don't know if you got opted into a test. They could be running A-B testing. And that thing that you saw that you loved on their site could be a test. And it might not be the winning variant of a test. You just don't know. There's too many unknowns here. So I highly recommend brands don't do things like competitive research for how to design their website. It really doesn't get them any further than actually engaging their consumers and doing testing on their site. That's a great recommendation. I like that. Um, and, and conversion rate optimization, is this something um, that matters for uh, e-com operation person, persons as well? So um, do, they, do they get any benefit from that? Well, I think that you know a lot of folks think about conversion rate optimization and they think about one metric and that's conversion rate because it's in the name, right? But yep. I think if you really think about it, there's so many other metrics that get affected by optimization. And you're thinking, you know, average lifetime customer value, average order value. Um, you know, we look at things like, you know, post-purchase. What happens after somebody actually purchases? What does that fulfillment process look like? Um, and how much communication are you doing with consumers? So when you start thinking about the operations side of this, a lot can go into that. I mean, you think about even just operations in terms of fulfillment. What, what happens, you know, how, can you offer free shipping? Can you offer, you know, free shipping with a certain dollar amount of an order, right? So it's like over $50 purchase, free shipping. Um, can you do two-day shipping? Here in the United States and, and several places around the world, Amazon has really cornered the shipping market by saying it's two-day free shipping. So most consumers who order online expect free shipping and they want it fast and they're going to get it within two days on Amazon. So you need to find a way to compete with that. So there's a lot of things that go into optimization that affect operations as well, beyond just thinking about that conversion rate. Yeah, that's really, um, I think that's, that's really the truth. So it's important for the entire company to, um, to cover all the aspects around, of course, the front end but it's also affecting things on the back end part, on the operations part. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, that we really often see is um, heavy discounting, mm-hmm. heavy discounts, percentage, percentage, theory, sale, what else? Is, is, it, is it a good or is it a bad idea? And um, how, how does it impact the econ business margins for long-term? 
Well, uh, I think the, first of all, I'm not a proponent of discounting at all. Yeah. I think that it should be eliminated. I think once a brand starts discounting, it is extremely hard to climb out of that hole. You gotta, you've dug yourself a discounting hole and how do you stop discounting? There's a couple challenges with this. A lot of people, a lot of brands will use discounting as an incentive to get like an email address, right? So you see those email pop-ups where, you know, sign up today, you get 10% off, whatever it might be. The problem with that is, yeah, the, the problem with that is that you now have a discount customer who is always going to expect a discount, right? So you've brought in a first-time discount customer who never wants to pay retail price again. Secondly, you're forever a discount brand in the eyes of that consumer, right? So they no longer value your products as high. They now value your products minus whatever discount you gave them at the beginning. So a couple of things are going to happen. Next time that person wants to order, they're going to go back to your website and they're going to expect the discount. And when they don't see one for a returning visitor, they're going to open your browser, your site in an incognito browser. So they get that pop-up again without your cookie being cookied, or they're going to use a second email address that they have to sign up again to get that discount, which is just going to muddy up your data. It's really going to make your customer, your CRM, it, it's just going to have duplicate entries all over the place. And it's going to be really hard to track things like lifetime value. Now, all of that being said, I understand the value in having to offer somebody something in order to get them to convert at times. Um, I think the biggest challenge here is brands need to think about the difference between a discount, like a percentage and a dollar off versus an offer. An offer could be something like free shipping, right? That's an offer. It could be something like um, gift with purchase. It could be something like buy one, get one free, Right, those are all do hurt the margin of the company because you know it's money off in some some way, but it's a mental shift for the consumer. So instead of thinking about your site in terms of discounts, like a dollar or percentage off, instead they're now thinking about what the extra value is that they're getting. Right, so now they're saying, "Oh, I'm going to get a gift with purchase. That's extra value." And that's not something they're going to expect on every single purchase. It's just something that, that is an add-on right now. So I highly recommend brands think about offers over discounts. And uh, discounts really just hurt the bottom line. They just, I, I call them margin drain because they just, they just drain your margins. Uh, it doesn't really help you. And the last thing I'll say on this uh, is there's a, a massive consulting firm called McKinsey. They did some research on discounts. And they found that for every 5% that a brand discounts, they have to generally sell 19% more in volume due to that sale to make up the difference. And that hardly ever happens. So, you know, that that adds up real quick. You have to sell 19% more product just due to that discount to cover what you're losing from that discount. So better get one or two customers less uh, and give no discount than giving a discount that need to get five customers more to cover that. That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, beside all this optimization part, um, 
you know, we are a lot talking about optimization and you see a lot in e-commerce. Um, what do you think, um, how do you see the role of automation um, playing in e-commerce in, in the next few years? Well, I think that there's a lot of automation that, that will be coming in, uh, you know, in terms of especially around artificial intelligence. So what I'm talking about there is um, machine learning around how to optimize your site. I think that's going to be really, really big coming up here. Um, already, there's an aspect of that in conversion optimization. So when we run two tests, we have mathematical formulas that run behind the scenes that tell us pretty clearly which variation we should use. So with that in mind, there's already some aspect of that at play. But I think it's going to get a lot deeper in terms of specifically raising where on your site you should be optimizing. So um, almost any size brand, instead of having to run a bunch of tests, should just be able to have some uh, automation come in and say, here are the points on your site that you should be focusing on improving. And I think that's going to be where things are improving. We're also, we do a lot around um, artificial intelligence um, heat maps. Mm -hmm. so heat maps will tell us um, where they use computer models to tell us where people are looking at on a, on a screen. And I think that that's really helpful because that type of data, especially for smaller sites, could take weeks and months to produce if you did a normal heat map using a tool like Hotjar or something of that sort. If you just don't have enough visitors, it would take way too long. Using artificial intelligence, it allows us to produce a really great heat map that is within 10% accuracy of uh, human eye tracking. And that's pretty darn good to get that right up front and it, within seconds and have that data and not have to wait weeks or months in some cases. So I think there's a lot of ways that you know, machine learning, automation, et cetera, will, will come into play moving forward. Very interesting. Um, my last question for the day, um, and, and I, I love this question, uh, who has taught you the most about e-commerce in your career? Ooh, great question. Um, I would say that I have learned the most from, um, there's, there's a guy named Stephen Krug, K-R-U-G, who wrote a book called Don't Make Me Think. Uh, I read this book mm -hmm. as well. German's great. Yes. And the whole point of this book is that consumers on the internet have been trained essentially over the years through their experiences of using the internet for certain conventions. Things are where they are. Logos in the top left. If I want to have the navigation, it's generally at the top of the screen. If uh, I want to find the contact information for a company, I'm going to scroll all the way down to the footer and look in the bottom right-hand corner, right? There's all these conventions, but yet so many brands try to get cute and just don't do those conventions. They, they, they think that it's, you know, oh, was, I can design something that looks beautiful, but yeah, I'm going to break all the conventions. The problem is when you do that, you very quickly reduce the usability of your website and you make consumers think way too much. And so it's just, it's a great title. First of all, don't make me think. Second of all, it's, it's just a great lesson. Um, and that is really one of the things that led me into doing optimization um, as we do today, because uh, that philosophy just rang so true. 
Well, thank you very much for that great interview. I, I really loved uh, to talk with you. And uh, yeah, um, as said, don't make me think. This is really a really good book. As I said, I read it uh, as well. And um, it, it really helps um, to, to, to try to, to meet all the conventions on your web store. These are basic things, basic things where... Um, where people um, can opt in faster to your product, to your service. Um, use tools like Google Optimize. Um, optimize if you can afford it, but uh, most likely uh, our listeners are SMBs, so uh, there are other tools. Google Optimize is free of charge. Uh, Google Optimize, sorry, is free of charge. And um, uh, try it out, play around with optimization, with A-B, uh, A-B testing, but rely on numbers so uh see to read the right numbers and of course there are professional uh services like the good um who can help you to optimize your store so thanks so much john for your time stay safe and yes good optimizations thank you thanks for having me today Norb. absolutely thank you very much bye-bye and that's it for this episode of the Ecom Ops Podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for Ecom Ops Podcast in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time.